Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 81. This episode is brought to you by my free members-only resource library, where you might want to go and check out my chore system setup worksheet, as well as my homeschool budget worksheet. Because today we're going to be talking all about raising kids who are money smart. And you know, homeschooling brings with it a whole different challenge sometimes of living on one income because one parent is home with the kids. So I want you to go ahead and check out these resources I have for you along the lines of budgeting and how to figure out what you're spending each year on your homeschooling, check out these resources plus a whole lot more at 41more.com forward slash library. If you don't already have the password to that members only resource library, you can get that by going to 41more.com forward slash email or check out the show notes where I will have a link to that as well as everything we talk about in today's episode. Those show notes are at 41more.com forward slash 81. Welcome to episode number 81, where I sat down with Amanda Grossman of moneyprodigy.com. And we talked about the necessity of raising kids who are money smart. How can we teach our kids practically about money while they're still in our home and while those money mistakes might only cost them 10 or $15 because they're kids, right? So I know this is a really important topic for us as homeschool parents to be thinking about because we do have the advantage of having our children home with us and being able to craft an education that not only hits the content areas, but also life skills, things we want to make sure they know before they leave our home. So Amanda has some amazing freebies as well, which we will link to in the show notes. So if we talk about anything and you're really interested in it, head over to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 81, and I will put links in there to all of Amanda's uh, printables, resources, freebies, everything we talk about. So this is a really fun conversation and I hope you enjoy it too. Here I am with Amanda Grossman from moneyprodigy.com. Amanda, thanks for joining us on today's episode. Thank you so much, Abby. So you run a site called moneyprodigy.com and I'd love to start out by asking you, why are you so passionate about this topic? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again for having me. I love talking about money. I love even more talking about kids and money. And the reason why I'm so passionate about kids and money really starts back about 10 years ago because I started my site. I wanted to be a money writer. So I started a site called frugalconfessions.com where I'm still working as well. And that's all about helping parents or, you know, parents, uh, adults, women with their money and that sort of thing. And over the years, what I have found 
is I would get these just terrible heart-wrenching emails from people who are in really, really bad financial straits, the kind that take more than just a budget worksheet to get out of, take more than just a couple months of watching your spending to get out of. And I was just thinking to myself, like over and over, I would get these emails, I would talk to the people, I would give them a little bit of advice. But at that point, I thought, man, that's like catastrophic level. That's not like prevention level. And finally, it dawned on me about five years ago-ish, we'll say, like four or five years ago, where I thought, prevention, where can I get the prevention done so that people don't come down the pipeline to me with these horrible, horrible financial situations, and I can only help them here and there to start digging out of it. And I thought, kids, kids are at the prevention level. Like if I can get to kids and teenagers and tweens and teach them some of these really basic and awesome money principles, then they're going to get start their young adult life on a good foot and have that foundation to be able to fall back on so that when they get to those money decisions where they could go down path A or path B and path B is the catastrophic one, they'll know which one to go down. And so that's why I started moneyprodigy.com and that's why I'm super, super passionate about it. So I'm going to ask you, which, which are you then? Like, did you have a catastrophic debt issue that got you interested or were you always good with money? And then you were just like, I need to help people. Cause I've always kind of known how to handle money. Yeah. I've just naturally been a great manager of money. Like I love the topic. I love figuring out simple ways to manage your money. I love trying out. I experiment all the time. I love tweaking the system. <laughs> it's like, I'm just all about money. And so I grew up on a dairy farm actually in the middle of Amish country. And I think part of that had um, an influence on me as far as like being more frugal minded and conservative with my money resources and that sort of thing. So I think that had some background on me. My father also has always been a money figures person and he's never um, taken any classes on it or anything like that. But I guess since we ran a farm, like he was always running the numbers and things like that. And I thought that that was really cool. Very cool. So, okay. What are some common problems then that you see that with how personal finance is normally approached, especially with, you know, teaching our kids and our teens specifically, you know, what, what are the ways that we're not doing it right? Or are we even talking about it? Yeah. So, and by the way, I should add, I am now a certified financial education instructor. (laughs) I did go ahead and make that official like a couple of years ago. Um, But yeah, mainly just my natural. Mm -hmm. But one of the things, one of the biggest issues that I've seen other than avoidance, which we can talk about in a minute um, is inconsistent kid money systems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that there's sort of like that mudslinging argument out there if you ever like look in comments or forums about how to do allowance and chores Mm -hmm. the right way. So there's like the allowance side of things and there's the chore commission side of Mm -hmm. things and and there's like an array of things in between. But rather than me telling you that one side is the right side, which I don't believe is right for every single child, um, I call it your kid money system. And it actually involves a lot more than just picking whether you do allowance or chores. Mm -hmm. And What I find is that um, it is so easy and uh, happens that parents naturally fall behind on their kid money system. Like if they're giving an allowance, uh, some weeks they'll forget it. Some weeks they don't get to the ATM. So they'll, you know, maybe get out twice the amount the next time and say, oh, I'll hit you up or, oh, you can buy something at the store. So that will just like make things (laughs) natural that way or, or paid back that way just different things like that, or even punishing a child by not allowing them to um, earn money or get that allowance or whatnot, that those inconsistencies, they seem like just really 
little things. And, you know, as parents, we are so darn busy and there's so many logistics already that it seems like it's no big deal. But I like to tell parents to think about it in terms of you not getting your paycheck. So if you started not getting your paycheck from your office, from your boss or whatnot, number one, you would get kind of resentful, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number two, you would panic a little bit. That's because you're an adult and you have to pay your bills and that's understandable. But number three, and this is a really big one, is you can't make plans. Mm -hmm. You can't make spending plans. You can't make savings goals. You can't do that sort of thing. And that's where we need to get your kids at. We need to get them to a point where they can count on the money that they either earned or that is coming in so that they can start making those plans and not just spend all of their money in one allowance, but now start breaking that to another, like having some money trickle into the next one, which is technically the start of saving your money. Yeah. I love that. So Is there a role? I'm guessing the family really does have this crucial role in teaching our kids about money. So talk a little bit about the importance of that and maybe starting kids young. Absolutely. So as the family, the buck stops with you. I mean, no matter what, in everything about our kids, right? Like even if we think that they're learning um, how to cook at school, I don't know if there's still economics or or home economics. I don't think there are back when I went to kids, but everything stops at you. And not only that, but the repercussions to them not learning about money, you're going to feel that as well. Like when kids have to move back home or when kids Mm -hmm. make bad financial decisions in college or something like that. And they take on maybe a credit card that they had no idea what they were doing. And now they have a ton of debt um, taking on student loans that they don't understand these things down the pipeline. We want to avoid those for you and your family as well. And in order to do that, you really need to get them that money education. Mm-hmm. So what if parents are, are, resonating with what you're saying. And they're like, I love this idea, but I don't feel qualified to teach my kids. You know, where can they start? Do you have suggestions? This is probably one of the most common um, things that I get from parents, which I totally understand because it's not natural to be like a money nerd like I am. That's not natural. (laughs) We don't, don't, you know, we're not born knowing how to manage money. Um, And so what I love to tell parents though, and this is, there's two things that I want parents to take away from this. Number one is you just have to meet your kid at their level, not at adult level of money management. And at kid level of money management, it's really basic. In the beginning, it gets so basic. It's like, what is a bank? Like, where do I store my money? Um, What is the difference between a debit card and a credit card? Like, these are just very basic things that you definitely have experience in because you're an adult at this point. So if you just think about that, you're going back like 10 steps down to the basics. And that should take some of that intimidation away. And also your money mistakes that you've made in your life, because we have all made money mistakes. I've made money mistakes in my life. Harvest those. Those are perfect ways to teach your kids about money because you can like, those are stories. Those are experiences that you've had and you can, you can tell them like, you know, this is what I thought I was going to do. This is what actually happened. And then I learned X, Y, and Z about the banking industry, or I learned X, Y, and Z about a credit card, or I learned, you know, something like that. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to teach your child about money. When those conversations are not happening, that's the problem. When there's like that avoidance, that's the problem. And you have to remember that at this point, I think the number is only 21 states out of 50 states have a requirement for your child to learn personal finance in the classroom. 
And of those people who are supposed to learn, who have those requirements, of those states that have those requirements, they're not even, like many of them, if you look at the programs, it's not personal finance, it's like economics. It's like um, different things that are also important to learn about, but that's not home, personal Mm -hmm. finance, how am I going to use my first paycheck when I get it from a real job type stuff? I mean, those are the things that they have to learn. They have to learn it. Yeah. These are life skills. And sometimes we think, oh, we have to do the the content areas are more important, which they're important too, but you have to have these life skills because you're right. There's repercussions if we, if our kids don't learn them. So I don't want your kids to end up in my inbox. Yeah. Wow. With a horrible financial situation. Right. Now, like I know for a lot of families that especially if they've, they are in debt or they've been in debt, that word budget can sound really scary because you feel like you're missing out on things. Can you talk us through what budgeting looks like, like even teaching our kids this skill? How hard is it and how complicated is it? Or maybe it's not. Can you talk us through that? So when people hear that word budget, it's sort of like, conjures up this image of the Grinch, I feel mm-hmm. like. <laughs> and, and I get that because it really does seem like it's limiting to you. I'm going to share my perspective because mine's like different. And I think changing perspective is so important. I see a budget as guardrails, mm-hmm. okay? So if you stay within the guardrails that you set every so often, you get to play around in there without the thought that, oh, what am I doing financially to my family? Oh, I'm not meeting my future goals. Oh, crap, what happened? So if you just set up these guardrails, which is your, your budget categories, then you can just kind of like do your thing inside of there. And that's how I look at it. So to me, actually, a budget is freedom because if I didn't have those guardrails up, then every day I would have to think, okay, and I spent how much in that category? And then I have to do over to this one. Am I going to actually meet my retirement savings this month? Like those kind of things would just, oh, that takes too much time. So if you set up a budget, it's just guardrails. And then as long as like, if I know for, for an example, if I know for the, for the whole month for groceries, I stay under $800, then I'm good. Within that $800, I can spend it however I want. Mm-hmm. But then I know that those other huge goals that I don't want to have to think about or look at every day, they're going to be met already automatically. So that's how I see a budget. Um, I certainly, I don't fill out a budget every week. I don't fill out a budget every month. I set up these sort of like, you know, a budget guardrails for the next six months. And as long as something huge doesn't change in my life, like a new job or we move or something like that, Mm -hmm. then it basically stays the same. Mm -hmm. And so as far as like, bringing your kids in on the budgeting. Um, again, we're, we're talking such a simple budget way. And really, you can think about it in terms of setting up a spending plan. Now, a budget and a spending plan aren't exactly the same thing. But if you think of it more as like, my kid gets X amount of dollars this, every week, or you know, if they're doing chore commissions, here's the estimate or whatnot. Let me just help them figure out how they want to spend that. And by spend, that also means saving or giving, like whatever percentages mm-hmm. you want to do or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But let me just let me just put intention. That's really all it is. Just just put intention on how they think. And then at the end of that period of time, because the budget can be weekly, can be monthly, you know, whatever. Within that, after that budget, uh, after that amount of time, the reflection part, which is seriously important for kids. How did you do? So you said you were going to spend $15 on books this week or this month or whatnot. What did you actually spend? Oh, okay. You spent 27. What do you think happened there? More of a mentoring relationship than a management relationship. 
when it comes to that. And especially not so much when your kids are younger, but as your kids age, so important to remember, you start out as a manager, you want to end up as a mentor. Makes total sense. Yeah. The role of the parent does change as the kids grow up. And I love that if they're going to make a mistake with money, it might as well be with $15 when they're young rather than thousands when they're an adult, right? Yes. That's, I mean, my whole thing is like, let them have all the mistakes right now when their mortgage payment doesn't depend on them getting it right. Right. You know, like that's, that's major, right? Right now it's so difficult for us because Mm -hmm. We value money, right? I value my money. So if I give like $10 to my child for an allowance or whatnot, like I'm expecting, I'm taking my adult values Mm -hmm. and putting it on that money. Like I worked for that money, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if I see him wasting that money on something that I think is wasteful or making a mistake, I want to stop it. I want to like move in there. I want to show him why or whatnot. Mm -hmm. That is not the way to do it though. You, if you have your money system set up the right way and you think about it in the right way, you will have them self-discover these money lessons, which is why it also should not scare you as much if you're not confident, you know, in your own money management to actually teach your kids because they're going to be self-discovering these things more so than you, you know, dictating and telling them and and having to come up with definitions and things like that. If they wanted to buy something because you set up a savings goal and you sort of mentored them through the savings goal and then they fudge it up by spending the $20, like last minute they take their money to the store and instead of buying what they had wanted, they impulsively buy something else. Let them do it Hmm. because eventually maybe like a day later, they're going to be like, Oh, but I had wanted this other thing. And that's where you can step in and say, you're right. And so what do you think made you do that impulse purchase? What do you think you might do differently next time? Those are how they learn those lessons. Yeah. Love that. So you do have some freebies about budgeting that we'll link to in the show notes. Can you give us, um, tell us kind of what they are and how they will help parents. So parents want to start getting into this, they can check out your freebies. Yeah. So I think Um, A lot of my freebies actually are around savings goals for kids because I, my, my big philosophy here is that if the way you get a child interested in money and not just interested in like the look of money and what it can do, because that's all exciting and everything for for most kids, Mm -hmm. but interested in like learning how to like control money and manage money is by anchoring it with one of their goals, not your goals. So you hear a lot on the internet, um, about like, I have my child do 10% for spending 10% or 10% for tithing and 10% for saving and 10 and they can spend 30%. And then we do this in the savings and whatnot. And that can work to an extent, but if you do a system like that, which is your values and your priorities, I would really, really uh, recommend that you do like a savings goal on top of that so that they get to express one of their priorities and one of their goals. And so one of the things that you'll come across then is when you say, what do you want to save up for? Mm-hmm. Um, either they'll look at you like, well, I don't, you know, what do you mean? Like there's, I, I don't really have a goal or whatnot, or there's nothing really that I want to be, do or have or whatnot, or they'll have like a thousand different ideas <laughs> and And, you know, some of them will be like a computer or some of them will be like a pen. And you want to find something that's going to cost more than one allowance cycle, right? Especially if they're like in the very beginning, if they're very young, like just take it to one more allowance cycle would be a savings goal. Mm -hmm. But you want something that's not going to take them two years to save up for because they will never, ever (laughs) get that far. 
And so one of my freebies then is the savings prioritization matrix, I call it, because it's like, just help your child brainstorm everything to their heart's content that they possibly can, that they might want to save up for to be, do, or have, or whatnot. And then you run it through this like matrix as far as, is this cheap or expensive? And how much do you want it? And how much do you not want it? So that you can prioritize that goal. That's a quick win goal as in like, it's cheap and I really want it. And that's the one that you go after. Oh, I love that. There's also budget sheets and that sort of thing. But, but I would say starting with that savings goal is, is so, so important because once you root them in how they can actually, the power of money, the power that they can have with money to get the things that they want, Mm -hmm. you got like a money nerd for life. Yeah. (laughs) You are right. I have seen this in my own house with, and the older the kids get, they can extend that goal out to nine months or a year because they are older. They understand that things take time, but you're right. The younger kids, they need to see that, but you're right. Not immediate, like not this month. It helps to have a little bit bigger goal. I love that. that, And I'm sorry, I I forgot I had changed the name to quick win savings matrix because the other one was really long, but if you, the goal is especially for that first goal and that second one, like those couple of first ones is that quick win because you want them to get that as far as instantaneous gratification yeah. that you can close to that as can so that they'll come back to the goal setting line over and over. And that's where they're going to learn the lessons. Yes. That's awesome. So what other helpful topics will parents find on your site? Can you give us a few other things that um, if parents are looking for information, what, what do you have over there at moneyprodigy.com? Sure. Um, so I have like, I have a, like lots of teen stuff going on. So I have like ways to earn cash online for teens starting at even age 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I have teen dating, actually a couple of articles on like just cheap ways, because I'm thinking as far as a teen's money life, what's mm-hmm. involved in a teen's money life. And these are sort of the things where they, they have to start paying for, or those conversations have to start happening. Like where does mom's money stop and my start, my money begin and those kind of conversations. So like I have an article about seven conversations to have once your child earns their first paycheck, like those money responsibilities and things are going to shift, you know, in the household as your child ages. Um, Those are really important topics. I also do a lot of reviews of uh, money toys, money board games, and those sorts of things. And I, I do it differently. I actually get the products. So if you see a review on my site, like I've gone through them. So, because I don't want to recommend things that, you know, aren't necessarily going to help or whatnot. And so actually it takes forever, but I send away for all of these products from the companies and, and I go through them. My son actually helps me with it. Oh, I love that. So Amanda, this has been really interesting. And I think there's going to be a lot of parents wanting to check out what you have about budgeting and saving and goals uh, with our kids. As we wrap up here, can you give um, my homeschool parents who are listening, can you give some last minute encouragement as they might be you know, wanting to teach their kids about money, not sure where to start, or just not knowing, can I do this? Can you just kind of leave us with some last minute encouragement? Yeah, I would just say take the pressure off. I mean, this is my big thing because I feel like all of that pressure is why parents don't want to just jump into the whole money education thing and it just sort of cobbles along, you know? Um, And what I mean by that is like, if you think about it, your everyday life are money lessons for your kids. So just simple store transactions, right? Like I ask parents, like, when was your child's first store transaction or has your child had a first store transaction? And 
they don't um, make that connection necessarily that that's a money lesson. In fact, it's probably like five to seven money lessons there. So if you think about like just being intentional when you go throughout your week on what money parts affect your life and how to bring your kids in on that, that's, that's how you can just easily start stacking up these money lessons and self-discovery uh, skills that they're going to get. Like even just having, you know, you could start having one of your kids or rotated to be like the gas station czar, right? And so what I say here is just have your kids look up like gasbuddy.com and they're responsible for finding the cheapest gas. Then think about this, like if the gas place is 10 miles away versus one that's like, you know, more expensive but close, that's a money conversation right there. Like you start talking about, oh, and do you think like, so 10 miles away, that sounds like I might use up more gas to get there and would that really be a savings? That's perfect. And that's something that I think many parents would be comfortable with because these are the day-to-day decisions that we make in our money. Um, And also I do have, I I sat down and made a money skills, life skills checklist. It's huge. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's a free checklist and it takes, I mean, it takes every part of your money life and really specific like breaks it down. And here's what I want you to do with that though. Have your child check it off, not you. So have them, like they're the ones ultimately that are responsible for, do I understand what a bank is? Do I understand what a debit card is? Do I know how to make a store transaction with cash versus a debit card? Those types of things. And then when you see like what they check off when you first get your checklist you can then know, okay, so, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to make a store transaction. Okay, cool. He doesn't know how to make an online store transaction. Okay, these are the things that I can start to conquer. And once you have that, you'll feel more in control of your, your kid's money education. Oh, I'm glad to hear you made this because this is perfect. Homeschool moms love to have this roadmap of like, what do we need to make sure our kids know before they leave the nest? So that's super helpful and we will link to it. And I think that's going to help. I'm going to print that off for my kids. That sounds really exciting. I love it. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So this is, this has been great. Thank you, Amanda, for joining us and sharing your expertise. And we'll link to everything in the show notes. And I just really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Absolutely. I I love talking this. So thank you so much. I want to take a minute and say thank you for being a loyal listener. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Head over to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 81 for links about everything we talked about today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.